Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Joining me is Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing today? Man, I'm good. How are you? It's been a day. I've started my in-person week at Ashland for my doctorate, had a missions trip meeting because I leave on a missions trip for a couple weeks, and then I'm doing a podcast with you, which everything that seems to be going wrong is going wrong today. So, well, and I've had I've had kind of a long day too. And normally we record these things on Monday mornings, and hopefully when your kiddos go back to school, we'll get on you know kind of the fall schedule and get on kind of a normal rotation again, where we can just get up on Monday mornings and, and record. Yeah, and actually, um, and it'll, it'll be a little bit normal too because both my son and daughter are going to the same school, so I don't have to take my son to school and then have a little bit of a recording time. I'm like, okay, I got to go take my daughter to school now. It's like, they're at school. I'm back. Let's do this. So I think, I think we did the, the first episode that we did with Trey Oldham, who was on our uh, episode last week. uh, The first time we recorded with him, you actually took your son to school. And then like, you came back, we recorded and then it was time to take your daughter to school. And so like, you ran. I was like, keep it going. I got to take my daughter to school. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I remember that. That was funny. And uh, I, uh, I just was telling you before we started recording it, I finished my second summer term class and I finished that last week. I start my third one tomorrow and, um, my capstone project got approved and I passed that class. And then, um, I taught my leadership focus class this afternoon and it's just been one thing after another. I worked at a church this morning and did some tech work for a church in town and Yeah. And here we are uh, in the evening at eight, eight in the evening instead of eight in the morning when we typically. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So since this has been an unusual recording time, let's just start off with uh, stories gone wild. So, uh, Micah, I last week, my wife and I or actually two weeks ago, my wife and I celebrated kind of our an early anniversary trip since we didn't know how the fall was going to look since we were married in August with school starting and everything else. It just looked like we weren't going to get away. So we decided to do it early and we decided to drive out to Indianapolis. And before we stayed at our hotel in Indianapolis, we actually drove up to Anderson to do a visit of Anderson university, which is where Laura and I met and kind of where we both went to our undergrad school with. Is it still there? Was that? Is it still there? It's still there. There was a couple of surprising things. Like I think there was one time where they announced that they were going to demolish Rice Hall hmm. because it's and then like build like a new residence because it was kind of dated and everything else. And this was before the pandemic and it was still up and it was still being people are still living in it. So I don't know if the pandemic had anything to do with that, but it stills up and still kicking. Well, just um, just for clarity's sake, Scott, you and Laura went to undergrad there. Yes. And I went to seminary there uh, for yep. graduate school the first time I was in graduate school. Yep. So I I'm I was joking when I said is it still there? I haven't I couldn't tell you the last time I went to Anderson or the last time I have been at Anderson. It's been yep. a long time. Yeah, so you know, for the most part it was good. We just got to go, we walked around, um got to see some sites which you know, there's not much there at Anderson like, you know, besides the Eternal Flame and the John uh Morrison statue that's there. But one of the things that I walked, I know, like, who? <laughs> one of the things that caught me completely off guard, because I completely forgot that Church of God uh, the, moved their national offices. So they're not across from the university anymore. Right. They're closer I to Indy. I forgot about that. So 
my surprise is I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my picture taken outside the national office since, you know, Scott Simmons podcast is always crapping on the national office about everything. About everything <laughs> It'll be a fun photo. And I walk over there and the first thing I notice is I'm walking up by Reardon Auditorium. I'm walking. First thing I see this banner on the side that says best deal in town, five foot by five foot space for $20. I'm thinking, oh, they must be renting offices. That's interesting. So I'm walking, I'm walking. I'm like, okay, I'll get to the door where it says Church of God, you know, Church of God Anderson stuff. And I walk there and I see like Storage USA right on the door. So I'm like, wait a minute, what? And Laura's like, well, maybe, maybe you're mistaken. Maybe it's farther down. I'm like, okay, so I'm walking farther down. And then I finally get to like the business school there. And I'm like, I start having a panic attack. Like what happened to the national office? Like, and then I started making jokes to Laura. I'm like, man, we're really in a tough spot now. No wonder they had to raise the rate for bastards because they had to rent out their offices for storage space by the university. <laughs> and then it was after I started making jokes, I realized, oh, yeah, they moved over to like the some offices over by Madison Park Church of God. And they're over there now. Like, I thought they were closer to Indy. Yeah. Indianapolis. I thought I thought that they were closer to Indianapolis. Maybe they moved again. I don't know. I thought they. I thought there were some buildings over there by Madison Park or some. I thought, but I mean that was years ago. So sure, I don't get the emails anymore. So or I never probably got the emails in the first place. You need to Except sign for up the for the really them. important ones. Like, hey, we're going to have to have Facebook Live on a topic. Join us. Like, okay, that's the first email I've got from you in a while. Uh, so I was just making so much jokes about that. I'm like, man, how how far have we fallen that now? <laughs> the, how, oh, how has the mightiest fallen? We're now at Storage USA. <laughs> We're not Church of God Anderson. We're Storage USA now. <laughs> you can store all your, all your spiritual baggage here. Do you, so when you were an undergrad, was the new rec center done yet? Or no? Yes, the Kardaski Center was just built right when I got there. Okay. It was, it, that was one of the newer venues or, or buildings on campus when I was there. Um, but that, I mean, we were, I don't know what years you were there. Uh, you're well, older than I, I, I am. Left, I left in 2000. I graduated in 2006. And then my wife was soon after that. And right when she was graduating, they just built Fair Commons. Okay. Like, so I was there. 2011 i started in january of 11 okay so yeah for seminary but i remember going to the the rec center and it was still fairly in decent shape and speaking of national convention like newer by in decent shape i mean newer uh and then do you remember we were talking about national convention last week but do you remember the couple of years that anderson actually hosted it and it was actually in the the rec center do you remember that yeah so that and then uh Reardon is is part of Anderson's campus. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, um, but it's it's right next to Park Place. Yeah. Okay, you can like walk to Park Place from where Reardon is, and for mm-hmm. for for a couple of years uh, prior to the uh, the national convention being and the rec center, this is like all after uh, Warner was. Uh, knocked down because of the asbestos right and so yeah they started working on that like right towards the tail end there's jokes about the asbestos there's yeah yeah. and so they 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 were like okay what are we gonna do with national convention and then like they they would have morning sessions over in park place but they would have the main sessions over in um reardon and then a couple of years they did it at madison park 
church, which is down the road from Anderson and then in Anderson, but down the road from the university. And then they did it, I think maybe two years in the rec center on Anderson's campus. And then uh, it was, there was a conflict with the Indianapolis Colts, you know, summer camps or something. Yeah. And then that uh, it was at that point where, okay, we're going to just start moving this sucker out of Anderson and traveling all over the country and you get to pay a fortune to, to go, but it's great. <laughs> But was that the end of your story as far as yes. just like uh, you you could have swore this is where the national offices was? I can just see you, Scott, walking around Anderson. <laughs> where is it? Yeah, where is it? Like, <laughs> and then I'm like making jokes like, my goodness, they're like selling office space here? To... Man, only only less than 50% is giving to Anderson. They have to like sell off their offices? They're like... <laughs> But then after a while, I said, well, that's smart because think about it. If a student has to like move out of their dorm and then know they're coming back next year, oh, I could just get my stuff and just put it in a storage unit across the street where there wasn't anything like that for me. So I really had to move all my stuff out and like move it back home. And it's like, well, I'm not going to use this stuff. So just sat in the garage until I was ready to move back to Anderson again. So yeah, it's stuff like that where I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So, um, Completely off off topic, but um, I work, you know, I've shared several times that I work at a university. I work at Miami. We're a decent sized university, but I sit in different conversations with leadership on campus. And we have, we're recently been having conversations about, uh, you know, higher education and education as a whole, like moving forward. How is educational uh, opportunities such as, you know, four year, four year universities, uh, going to be obtainable with, with the cost of, of tuition and, uh, you know, living on campus and, and some of these bigger schools. But you, you mentioned Anderson and I, I went to a smaller school for undergrad, maybe 3000 students, you know, Anderson, I, I would imagine 2000 or less. Uh, how did these schools survive? Some of these smaller institutions, like where I went to school for undergrad was, it was West Liberty university, which was in West Virginia. Five miles down the road was Bethany College. Scott, those schools are like West Liberty is three thousand when I was there. Fifteen hundred lived on campus. Fifteen hundred commuted and lived, you know, in other spaces closer to campus and would commute back and forth. Or even during the weekends, they would just flee to campus. And if you weren't local, like you just stayed there, and you were one of the ten people that stayed on campus during the weekends, which I ended up being one of those. And then. Uh, Bethany College, man, they were like a thousand people, if that. So I guess my question, you know, is how are these smaller schools going to stay open moving forward with the cost of education going up and enrollment going down and especially coming out of out of COVID? Like how how in the world are schools going to survive uh, not being able to, you know, make enrollment and, you know, afford things like huh, turning the lights on, paying your faculty, paying your staff? Uh, we're already talking budget cuts next year for Miami and even the year after. Um, that's not my story's gone wild, but you got me thinking about that when you said you went and visited Anderson. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Ashland talked a little bit about how what they're doing at the seminary because they had they had a situation where like the one of the uh, deans mismanaged money and mm. that kind of got them in a spot and they're starting to kind of build back up from that. So one of the big things they do is they don't, I don't think like at the seminary, they actually have like a full time, like professors there. Everything's okay. adjunct. 
So you could have a professor that maybe, I mean, again, you know, you think about seminary, you could probably have a professor who's serving at a church and then they are on the side and then they're doing teaching on the side. Or you could have someone who's, they may be teaching at Ashland university in the Bible and religion department. And then they're teaching at seminary, or you could have someone be teaching, you know, in person at Ashland and they're teaching online at Liberty university. So, you know, there's a couple of, options that they do have or someone may be just retired and it's just like you know i'm good or i know a lot of the professors they have books and they write commentary so they get money from the residuals of writing books or writing articles or or doing stuff like that so um so yeah i'm not sure um how some of them like like an anderson i mean i know anderson before made some changes to what programs they're going to offer they got rid of they they got rid of an art thing and it's now like the art buildings, like the engineering building. They got rid of the theater major and, you know, they, but they added dance, you know? So there's a lot of stuff that they've changed and they've done stuff to kind of make sure like, well, what are some of the highest jobs that you can get? I don't think they'll ever cut the ministry job, but man, that'd be the day like Anderson university. Yeah. We're not going to offer a ministry degree anymore. <laughs> well, this year, you know, the provost office asked just our division, for example, which is the College of Creative Arts, you know, in any situation, whether it's high school, K-12, whatever, um, college, four-year universities, graduate schools, um, the arts are always the first to get, like, the acts, right? Or they want you to cut budget with the arts because the arts don't, you know, generate money because we're not sports and we're not, um, you know, the face of of the institution. So the, the provost office came out and told us we needed to cut, I think like $300,000 from our budget this year and $300,000 from our budget next year. And so um, we, as a staff, I think they were able to go through and they've had a lot of long and uh, tedious conversations, Scott, where it was like, all right, we're, uh, we're going to save everybody's jobs, but for the next couple of years, (laughs) Don't ask for nothing, period. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then like to what you said, like programs, like, you know, if we're not, you know, making enrollment for programs, we need to cut programs. Like uh, it sucks and it's terrible to say, right? Like we need to cut programs. And uh, it's hard when you got, you know, tenured faculty that have, you know, advanced degrees and they can't like basically get their job cut because they have tenure. Um, but like you said, we have a lot of, of, of VAFs is what we call them visiting adjunct professors who teach, you know, one or two classes super part time. And and there's a guy at our school that teaches music theory. Um, but he also teaches for Northern Kentucky university, the university of Cincinnati. He works for the Cincinnati symphony orchestra and he works at Miami. So like he's full time, but he's like cut between four different places. So um, yeah, all, all that to say, it's just, I, it, it amazes me like how, Granted, I don't know what their their endowments are like, or their donations, or whether they have in savings, or you know the money they have. Like when I was in seminary, they had the Lily McCutcheon, you know, scholarship fund for seminary students. So like if you kept a certain GPA and you you know were full time, they took a big chunk out of your tuition for a scholarship. Yeah. Um, but that only goes so far, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, story's gone wild for me. Um, we went down a huge rabbit hole, but you told me before we started recording because you're so tired that I was going to have to <laughs> steer the ship a little bit. Um, 
I was uh, I was at church yesterday, and Scott. Apparently, we have quite the fan club at, at the Presbyterian Church that my wife and I have been attending. I think maybe hey. they're the reason we're maybe they're the reason you and I have hit this ten thousand downloads mark. I don't know. Um, the pastor and his wife come with me every week. They're like, we listened to your episode this week. It was great. We really enjoyed it. So anyway, um, John is the music director at, at the at the church that we've been attending, and John. Uh, is also a graduate from Miami. He did his undergrad and graduate degrees at Miami in music education. He's an outstanding piano player. Um, and I'm walking out of church yesterday, and John stops me, and he's like, hey. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I- I've been listening to your podcast, and I think that it's great. And I'm like, really? What, what do you like about it? He's like, the story's gone wild. <laughs> and he was like, Speaking of stories gone wild, I have one for you. And it has to do with this church. And you probably haven't hit it yet. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> what in the world have I missed? You know, we've talked about hand sanitizer. We've talked about sitting in different seats every week. We've talked about <laughs> various things. Um, and he was like, just go in the bathroom and tell me what you see. And I'm like, what in the world is going to... Oh, what no. am I going to... Oh, no. <laughs> so, like, I walk into the bathroom and he's like, check out the urinal. So in the guy's bathroom, obviously, there's a urinal and there's a toilet. So if if I'm facing the urinal, Scott, to the bottom right-hand side of the urinal is an outlet. So I was like, you've got to be kidding me. How did I miss that? But literally, like two or three inches from the urinal is an outlet. If somebody misses, <laughs> I'm thinking like a National Lampoon moment or yep. like... Uh, a late nineties, early two thousands, like I don't know, super cringy moment in like those raunchy movies that were popular in the early early two thousands where the the worst thing possible would happen to somebody. So <laughs> I thought about that and I'm like, why would you put an outlet next to a urinal or vice versa? Why would you put a urinal next to uh an outlet? And so but all that to say, I think that um it was funny that, that John stopped me yesterday. He was like, I've really been enjoying your guys' podcast. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Like, what do you enjoy about it? He's like, the story's gone wild. So apparently we just need to do stories gone wild every oh, episode. Well, there you go. Stories gone wild, everyone. That's that's all we do on the Scott Center. Who cares about the serious stuff we talk about? Well, and then you talk about um, the Church of God in there. Oh, where are there? Sure where, where, yeah, the, 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 let's beat up on the little guy. Where, where are their offices? <laughs> It's not called Church of God Anderson. It's not Church of God National anymore. It's called Storage USA. <laughs> Instead of where's Waldo, where's Chog Chog Ministries offices? Oh, yeah. I have to. I think I took a picture of that side banner. I'm gonna have to like send it to you, or maybe I'll put it on like in the comment section of this video. So. The topic is actually kind of a spur of the moment thing. So I'm starting my class and it's um, leading the church in the 21st century. And we're really we're just talking about a variety of topics. So we're first talking about kind of um, we're talking about kind of like a leadership perspective from Paul. And we looked at First Timothy and kind of broke down the entire First Timothy epistle. And um, afterwards, the professor's like, okay, after breaking kind of all this down, like, what's something that you personally are taking away from this? 
And one of the things, it's very early where the Apostle Paul is basically talking about to, to show love to everyone. And um, the professor, kind of his interpretation was the idea of, well, love is not optional. Like if you're a Christian, love is not optional. So, and it made me, and I was just kind of saying like, you know, I think one of the big things about love is, you know, there's very easy of just loving people in church saying, oh, go, hi, how are you doing? Or praying for people. But I think sometimes love is also kind of rebuking people and kind of, you know, I think there's a love is very multifaceted within ministry. And I said, you know, kind of what I'm taking away from this is that, you know, even though I've been at this church for about a year, I do feel myself kind of being very guarded when it comes to loving people because of the past experiences past experiences that i had uh, um in ministry and the professor just made a comment he goes you know sometimes being in a very bad place and having a bad ministry experience can really mess up people because i've seen a lot of people i've counseled a lot of people who literally were done with ministry and it wasn't because of burnout it wasn't because of anything it mainly was because of just people not being kind or church people being nasty and then he made the comment he goes you know someone needs to write a book because i do believe that pastors do go get ptsd and someone needs to write a book about that and it just made me think about that topic of being in the ministry and having some type of ptsd because i mean we usually sometimes we connect ptsd to veterans who've served in war and and how they get ptsd but then we also see people like uh, rape victims have PTSD. Uh, P- uh, people have a lot of trauma or sometimes even just in the workplace. So we've seen that over the years, PTSD has kind of broken out of the military field. And it's kind of been in any type of like post-traumatic stress disorder that anybody has. And I'm sure ministry kind of falls into place. And then it even made me think about, you know, what were some of my behaviors now being in this ministry that when I first started out that I just no longer do anymore. And there's a guy, a pastor at a big church in Virginia when we'd have our pastor meetings. And one of the things he said, he said, you know, I've been in the ministry for over 40 years. And I'm a very, when I first started ministry, I was a very extroverted person. Mm. Always would go out, always want to do things. I would hang out after church, always want to mingle and hang out with people. And he says, now I'm very introverted. If I'm in my office, I'm usually have the door shut and I'm studying, I'm doing it where before I'd have my door open. If anybody wanted to walk in my office and talk, I'd gladly. And now it's like I'm in my office. Once I'm done preaching, I'm usually may shake some hands. But right after that, I'm getting in my car and I'm going home. I'm not sticking around longer than that. Once everyone leaves the sanctuary, shakes my hand, I'm I'm in my car and I'm driving away. And it's just it was one of those things where I was just like wow, like that, that could be a form of how ministry has really affected all the time of changing. So, so Micah, just kind of in your experience, not only in ministry, but even as a PK, where have you seen, or maybe stories you've heard where you could kind of say, yeah, I think I don't, maybe not as, as extreme as PTSD, but maybe definitely some of my behaviors or some behaviors of my friends in ministry, even behaviors you've seen in your dad from the early years as a kid to now. You've seen complete changes because of hurt in ministry. Well, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, we went from being super, you know, joking and cutting up to, yeah. to we went to super serious, kind of in a snap of a finger. Um, but I believe it's a real thing. Mm. And I don't think that it would be, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn because I love you and I love Jordan a lot, you know, very much like brothers. And, you know, we, the three of us were going through a lot all around the same time. And um, I don't know that I've recovered and I haven't shared like my full story on this, on this, this show, uh, probably because I'm very guarded, as you said. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not afraid to share my story, but it, it, there's a lot of woundedness that goes along with it. Um, and uh, I would probably be lying if I said that if I was super hesitant, I wasn't super hesitant about joining a ministry position again or taking a ministry position again because of past hurt and because of past woundedness. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know where to start, but like, mm -hmm. um, with my dad, for example, um, I, I think that generation is a lot different than ours. And I think we look at ministry through a lot different uh, a lot different of a lens than what our, our dads did or the generation before us did, because that generation was very guarded and they just took it. And then um, I think it's pretty evident because you look at some of the, the pastors who are our father's ages and they look very tired and they look very burnout and they look just exhausted. And they just, not to say they're not, being valuable where they are, not saying they're not still serving, not to say that they're not still making an impact where they are. It's that you can just tell that there's just this physical um, toll that ministry's taken on them for the past 30 or 40 years. Um, and in respect to us, I, I, you know, people talk about mental health um, being a real thing and, I had a an advising meeting with my advisor at Miami last week, and he actually, um, you know, I won't share his name or anything, but he talked to me about, he went on medical leave in the spring. Uh, and part of it was he just had like a, a midlife crisis and he just, he didn't not believe what he was doing was making an impact. He didn't believe that he wasn't getting paid enough. It was just that he was doing too much and he needed to just, stop and he was just overwhelmed he ended up in counseling and he ended up having to like just basically reinvent himself and uh he got in shape he lost a ton of weight he started doing yoga he you know set up boundaries and um yeah it's it's a real it's a real thing and he and i you know talked about mental health and uh, shortly after my mom passed away i was in a transition in ministry myself and I just hit a brick wall and um, there was a, so, so a lot of different things, right? So one, um, my mom passed away. I was uh, asked to fill in uh, at a church in the community and I started doing that. And um, there was a lot of trauma that went along with that. Right. I, I don't feel like I got a chance to really grieve my mother's death, even though I grieved my mother's death. It was just kind of a weird situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a couple of things that I started a ministry position, 
I started grad school. I was teaching leadership focus and I was working full time. And I just realized that I, I was just saying yes to too many things. Um, and during that season, um, my wife and I found out that we probably won't be able to have kids on our own. Mm-hmm. So you throw that on top of everything that we've already been through. Um, we just, Scott, we smacked a brick wall and we were like, you know, I don't think we should be serving at a church right now. And it's not because I don't believe in Jesus and that he saved me and died for me. And it's not because I don't believe in my calling. And it's not because I don't believe that the that piece of paper up there on the, the wall that you see is worth yeah. anything. It's that I needed to stop and take care of myself. And we just agreed to sit down and step down and get help and go to counseling and go to therapy and uh, by the grace of God, I'm just so much better now that I've talked to somebody and, and, and I know that you have, and I know that Jordan has, and um, we're, we're all big advocates of, of pastoral care and um, therapy and counseling, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, if I don't say anything else today, if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody, that's, that's okay. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the other thing is that, you know, we, I was, I was teaching a leadership focus class today. Um, and I told, told folks like that we, we studied the passage in Exodus when Jethro is talking to Moses and he's like, Moses, this isn't good. You can't do it all by yourself. Yeah. And I know that's kind of the case and the norm for smaller churches where, you know, maybe you're a church of 50 people and you're the pastor, you're making your slides, you're running your live stream, you're making sure the sound works, you're making hospital visits, you're doing counseling sessions, you're doing the weddings and the funerals, you're dedicating the babies, you're doing literally everything and it's still not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm slowly getting to the, to the place where I'm, I'm wanting to serve again but I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. And I've, I've stated openly, I think on this show and at other spaces that I don't know if I ever want to take a paycheck from a church again. Hmm. And, and that's not because uh, I need the money or don't need the money. It's just, I, I feel like there's a sense of ownership over leadership when you start taking pay. And I just don't feel good about that. Hmm. Um, and I'd rather do it as a volunteer and know that I'm being valued for my service to the kingdom without the strings attached to being paid for it. So I know I, I said a lot there. I didn't know where we were going with this conversation. But... No, it's okay. No, it, it's it's interesting too, because, you know, I mean, I went away because you said you talked to someone. I went away to a program. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You did to someone. I forgot about that. And actually the person who kind of started it through Healing, Healing Care Ministries International, uh, Dr. Terry Wardle. I mean, he wrote a book about kind of his life. And I mean, he tells a lot about how he was pastoring a huge mega church down in uh, California. And he was a professor at like Colorado University. And he ended up having a panic attack. And, you know, the church gave him time off mm-hmm. and he took a couple months to recover. And he thought it was good. He started to go back, started to get into things, had another panic attack and checked himself into a mental hospital. And in what and for him, mm-hmm. I don't know all the details. I know he wrote a book about it. And I haven't read it yet, but I know a lot of it had to do with just you know ministry stuff. But a lot of it had to do with this idea of proving himself to think he was good enough, and you know, especially from 
the environment and growing up in the household that he did. So there was a lot of stuff that kind of came with that. Um, but then like even at lunch today, there's a guy who, when I first started the program, like I came into the program, not even having a ministry job. And I just started to do my doctorate just to kind of, you know, eventually I hope that once I get my doctorate, I go into the consulting business or I write books or, or do a podcast or do something to, uh, really already already did that yeah i already did that uh, but to really help people or to really help people with leadership both lay and pastors because it seems like that's always a need um and this was a guy who was a pastor of a church he's also like an army chaplain and he was very enthusiastic about everything we take a class he's very enthusiastic he's like oh i'm going to try to implement this in my church it's going to be great to now he's resigned from his church he's right now just kind of mm -hmm. doing more interim stuff and then he was even talking about you know at this point i don't even know if i'd ever go back to doing preaching ministry again or being a pastor of a church like he said because really if i do go back to a church i got to make sure that it's a healthy environment and that they have a specific like discipleship program if they already have that established and i'm just kind of going in and i can kind of help tweak it a little bit and then really do some great stuff then i'm i'm, I'm in uh, and it's like cool but i also know the reality that you know trying to find a healthy church is kind of hard you know very few churches mm -hmm. out there that you could say it's healthy um nowadays especially after the pandemic so um and I, and, and I think that's kind of a big thing. Like here's someone who's definitely has had some church hurt and he's to the point where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm content with not going back and being a pastor anymore. Um, I, I remember when I took this position here in Bexley, like the funny thing is, is people thought, well, is it, is it a downgrade from going from being a lead to being a family minister? I'm like, absolutely not. It's definitely not a ground. I mean, do I miss preaching every Sunday morning? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't because I really don't want to have to keep trying to figure out sermons that I have to preach every week. Like, and they have, and they use a liturgy. So that that's helpful. I could just say, Oh, this is the verse I'm preaching on. Okay, cool. So he does that work for me. But even like, even things like, well, it's not uncommon either. It's, it is. Yeah. Like you see a lot of times like lead pastors go to be like an associate or like if maybe they're older towards the end of their career, they go serve as like an executive pastor or a senior adult pastor. And they're not like in a pre uh, preaching rotation. Or like, that's totally not uncommon. No, it's not common at all. I think it's just more kind of the Western view of like, you know, you're working your way up the ladder and now you're at the top and now you're going back down a rung. Like, oh, that's that's, that, you know, it's almost like, oh, that's shameful. It's like, no, it's not. Um but even like things like board meetings, like I've probably been to maybe five board meetings here at the church I'm working at. And literally, I don't say a single word. I sit there. I listen. I just kind of assess everything that's going on. I don't speak in the meeting. I don't even offer an opinion. Like in staff meeting, I will. I'll, I'll ask questions. But when it's a general meeting, like I used to love going to meetings and just thinking about, oh, what are some things that what's God doing? Here's a good report about here's this going on. Great, 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 great. Like all this great stuff. And now it's just like. I'm here, <laughs> but I don't want to but I don't really want to be here. I mean, in some cases I do, because it's always I mean, you know, the Methodist Church here, they have 
a bunch of different things. So sometimes it's good to hear the reports on the different sides of the church. So I kind of know like, oh, here's what's happening with this ministry. Here's what's happening in the worship side of things. Here's what's happening in the financial side of things. Here's kind of what's happening on the, and then I give my report with youth and children. Um, so, but even at that meeting, and that was the other thing too, that I realized another, another issue uh, that I figured out is we're in that meeting and, you know, they're talking about stuff and we're, we're getting, we're right now going to hire a consultant to come in and kind of help see some blind spots within the church to kind of help us address it. So we can kind of re-gear and revitalize the church because we're kind of like in a rebuilding mode after the pandemic and, and everything. And there's an older gentleman who is, you know, he, he understands about the Methodist church. He goes, you know, I read a report that, um, I read a report that um, something about how, you know, a lot of pastors are leaving the ministry. And I just want to make sure that a Colleen doesn't get plucked up and gets taken away. And I, and I, and I, and I, and, and I also don't want Scott to get plucked up and taken away. And I said, I'm not Methodist, so they are not going to pluck me and take me away. And everyone started laughing, but then instantly everybody in the room was just basically saying, you know, we don't we i don't think the congregation really knows how lucky we are that we have scott and colleen here mm-hmm. and and even colleen just kind of said i think people don't really realize how lucky you know we have scott here because i mean i was at a point where literally if i couldn't find anything you know i was content of just saying you know i'll find something else to do and not do ministry anymore i mean mm-hmm. i was at that point where i just after i got my healing retreat and everything else i'm like you know, I, I, if I if I don't do ministry again, it's okay. I don't have to do it. Um, but even that, and people just giving me praise and compliment and saying, "Oh, Scott, you're doing such a good job with this. You're so good. You're doing this, and we're just so lucky and so happy." And it's like I just can't take that compliment because I feel like even if I take the compliment, the question that's mine, okay, what's underneath that? Where, where's the backhand coming from? Mm-hmm. Because there's been many times in ministry where I've had people say, oh, you're doing such great work. We definitely see the Holy Spirit moving in you and doing great things. And then like the next day or even the next week, I the same person could say something very mean spirited and just cut me down. And it's just like. What? Like it, it it was. It was just like every time there's this times where I felt like I just time stood still and I just was like don't know what to do or how to process things. And and even now, like sometimes if someone says, Oh, you're doing a good job or something, I always say, Well, yeah, you know, but then and I start getting kind of getting in the negative or start making excuses about something. It's like just accept the compliment, man. But mm-hmm. I but I can't take the compliment. I just can't do it anymore. And I don't know, and it's it's hard. Because I mean, it was never like that. Usually, someone took it, gave me a compliment. I was very humble. I'm like, oh well, thank you. I really appreciate. it. I'm very humble by your words. Mm-hmm. I just don't say that anymore. I just don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. If people compliment me, I don't believe it anymore. Something that I've noticed recently. So a couple things. Like one, I feel like I'm going to be all over the place with this, but like so. Uh, when I lost my job in uh, when COVID hit in 2020, um, I got laid off from the university. I was working super part-time at the church that I was at. And um, I had seen how the senior pastor reacted to 
other staff members leaving. And so I was petrified to tell him that I had another church that was talking to me about a full-time opportunity that was going to be, you know, a full-time job because I was jobless. Uh, essentially, I was working for a stipend uh, for this church. And it was basically the same thing that I was doing for the church, but on a much larger scale. Uh, it was a bigger church. It was a multi-site campus. And um, I went to a friend of mine in the church who happened to be an elder and said, this is just off the record, but will you pray for me about an opportunity of a, a job opportunity? I didn't say what it was. I just said it was a job opportunity. Would you pray for me? Um, pastor found out and blew a gasket and uh, screamed at me. He he called me and I put it on speakerphone and my wife was working at home because this was early in the COVID phase uh, in 2020. It was like, you know, April or May or something of that year. And he caught wind of it and I put him on speakerphone and just put it on my wife's desk. And we just sat there and cried because he just screamed at us because how dare, after everything I've done for you, how dare you, how dare you not tell me, how dare you go to the elders and not tell me. And he called an elder meeting and said, uh, it's come to my attention that, that, Mike has been offered a job um, and some of you knew about it and I want to, I want to know what we're going to do about this moving forward. Um, I did not have a job offer at that point. And then the Sunday morning he came up to me after yelling at me after calling a board meeting and the words out of his mouth and I'll never forget it. He said, so did you get the job? I'm like, are you kidding? You just called and yelled at me and my wife. You called and yelled at the two elders that I had a conversation with about this. You yelled at the elders and said that I had a job when I didn't. And then the first thing out of your mouth is, did you get the job? And so I went in that morning after services were over and I resigned. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And his son, who I served with on on the worship team, and he was on staff too, um, was going to be on vacation those next two weeks. And he was like, so does this mean you're giving me two weeks a month? Are you done today? What does that mean? He's like, well, my son's going on vacation. I need somebody to cover for him. He didn't care that I was resigning. He just wanted to make sure that things were covered. And so I said, I'll give you two weeks. Cause I've always given people two weeks where no matter the job and no matter where I've been. And I, and, and I want to live by that and honor that. Um, that was one. And then like, I find it interesting too that, you know, the church that I went to next, which is a bigger church, full-time position, um, seven months into it, I just realized that that's not where God wanted me. And he wanted me to go and do things like consulting and helping churches and podcasting and doing leadership things and uh, teaching for leadership focus and, and, and other ministry opportunities that I could just do freelance versus being in the same place every single week. And, um, how I knew that. And, and and we've talked about the Holy spirit and we've talked about other things on this and different topics, but like I got the call to lead at our satellite location. And I got, I got asked to go lead worship at this church, uh, our satellite church uh, for the church I was working at. Um, Cause the, the worship leaders who was, who's a really good friend of mine, his wife got COVID and they had two little girls. Um, they have two little girls, but uh, they were really young at the time. And uh, I was like, Mark, there's no way that you're going to be able to come and lead worship, especially with your wife, with, you know, having COVID. And, um, and that was, again, that was early on. 
in the COVID season where none of us knew what was going to happen. Or so he, I said, Hey, I'll come lead worship for you. You know, long story short, <clears throat> I was leading worship and kind of had this spontaneous moment and uh, just felt like the Holy spirit was saying, you're done. You're done here. Mm-hmm. And um, I want you to go and lead worship and I want you to go and serve the church that I called you to serve. And um, confirmation for me was I had not talked to Alicia, my wife at all about it. And I got off the platform after I had this wonderful moment of worship and prayer and I got down and my wife's like, you're going to resign, aren't you? Mm. And uh, I went into my boss's office the next day and said, Hey, I just don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And she's like, we agree. And so we parted ways. Um, Fast forward to the last year of my life um, when I decided to get help and go to therapy and step back from full-time ministry and serving every single week. um, uh, Alicia and I kind of agreed to three months, maybe six months, maybe a year. We weren't going to serve in the local church and maybe just go to church, go find a church, go visit churches, but not serve. Um, And just go to church for the first time in our married life, not as pastors, but as as people that need community and need the church just as much as pastors do, or just as much as your lay people do. Um, and we, uh, I, I had some commitments prior to stepping down. I led worship at a, a community Thanksgiving service last fall. And that was one time. And then I played drums on Easter this year. And those, that's been the only times that I've led worship or played in a worship service in the last um, what has it been like eight, nine months. And I say all that to say that, you know, you talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome and kind of feeling weird and kind of off. And you talked about the guy that you were, he stepped back from ministry and he wanted to be a healthy situation. I've been asked to fill in. I've been asked to lead worship. I've been asked to, 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 to participate in nights of worship. But there has been moments where, Scott, I'm not kidding you. I'm getting ready to go do this. And I just, I, I don't have panic attacks, but I just have this doubt mm. where not that I can't do this because I can pick up this guitar right now and play and lead you in a set of worship right now um, or this keyboard or or, or whatever. Um, it's just, I get in my own head and I just feel like I'm not ready. I'm just not ready yet. It's not that I can't do it. It's just, I just don't feel like I'm ready because there's some scars there. There's wounds. And it's like, what if I go back in and something bad happens again? What if I go back in and um, somebody doesn't like the worship I lead? What if, what if they don't like the prayer I said? What if they don't like the clothes I'm wearing? What if they don't like that my head's shaved? Like what, you know, I get in my own head and I think that's a very real thing. Um, And it's, it's, it's very debilitating. Um, I was supposed to lead worship at a night of worship or participate in a night of worship a couple months back. And we, it was on a Saturday and Alicia and I went around running around doing stuff on Saturday morning and we got home and it was like two hours before I was supposed to be there. And I was like, Alicia, I can't do it. I can't go. I had all the charts on my iPad. I had my guitar packed, ready to go. I just could not do it. And I texted the guy. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm just not in a place where I can, I can lead right now. And he's like, I totally understand. And I started crying like in the middle, I was sitting in the floor in our bedroom and I was just crying like a baby mm-hmm. because I felt like I don't want to let people down, but I don't want to let myself down. And I don't want to, you know, and then my therapist said, you know, maybe God's 
preparing you for something better down the road. And, and it's okay to not be ready now. And then one of my good friends, Jessica uh, Schaefer, she is a teacher at Miami. She teaches voice. And she said one of the most profound things to me when I was talking to her, kind of just as a non ministry person, as a third party friend, as a yeah. somebody who um, she's like, you're always welcome at our church. But one of the things she said to me, she was like, Sometimes it's okay to sit still and sit in God's presence. And for the last 10 years, Scott, so much of my identity was wrapped up in I got to be the, the worship pastor. I got to be the worship leader. I went to seminary for this. I I, I went to school for music. I, I got ordained in the church of God. I, I, I did all these things. And I have to remember my identities in Christ. And it's not in, in the church, the yeah. local church. It's not in being the creative arts pastor or the production pastor. Do I know how to do all those things? Yes. Has God blessed me with talent immensely? Yes. Am I thankful for all those things? Yes. But sometimes it's okay to sit still and sit in God's presence. And I think you went through that too, right? When you you stepped down from the, the position you were in in Virginia. And did you ever think that you're going to be in a bakery baking bread at 2 a.m.? Did you? No. <laughs> um, did, I mean, you, you went to uh, wherever Tyler Wines is at the church in Virginia. You, you oh, get, uh, Bridge Christian Church. Yeah, Bridge Christian Church. Like, did you ever think that you were just going to be sitting at a church in you know your thirties? Like, what the heck am I doing here? I I went to school for this and I got ordained. Yeah. And it, but I think you know, I don't know to kind of sum it all up that mental health is a real thing and it's important to take time off and um, know know your limits. And, yeah, and know that it's okay to to pour into other folks, and uh, I think when I realized that too, like it's okay to to you know sit still and sit in God's presence, you know, and do things besides lead worship every single Sunday. Like I love doing this podcast stuff with you and Jordan. You know, it's very it's very much an outlet, but it's also like it's we talk some pretty deep and heavy things, but we also talk on some pretty inspirational things like leadership and how to lead people. And we talk about worship and we talk about the crazy stuff that we see in the church and the, that we see other churches doing, you know, Hillsong, <clears throat> Hillsong, um, like <laughs> the, but it's, it's, it sucks that you went through that stuff and it sucks that I've went through that stuff. It sucks that Jordan and others have went through those things, but it's, it's also okay to share um, those things. I've, I've listened to several podcasts. There's one, um, it's, you know, I listened to the Marcel for sure, but there was another podcast that a friend of mine recommended. Um, and it's about these, uh, these, the, the hosts, it's a guy and a girl. They're both, um, pastors mm. or they were pastors and they stepped down and they talked about, you know, their experiences and, you know, kind of the freedom that goes along with not serving every week. Like I woke up yesterday, we were running a little bit late for church and I'm like, Hey, uh, we're going to be late. And she's like, well, do you want to go? I'm like, we don't have to. <laughs> do you know how liberating that is? Right. Yeah. Like, like it, it's just, um, I'm not making excuses, but like there, there's something to be said. And I know people talk about going on sabbaticals and stuff like that. But like, if you get the opportunity, one of my leadership focus guys right now, he's uh, a pastor out in Vancouver, Washington. And he, he got granted a three month sabbatical 
And so I, I jumped on a Zoom call with him last week and he he said for the first like two or three weeks, he just didn't know what to do with himself. Mm. This church is like a church of 800 to 1,000 and he's like the the pastor of creative and uh, exec, like an executive pastor role and he just was like, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Because yeah. <laughs> like, you just get so like in the zone and in the the, the nitty gritty of the church and that's not healthy either. So, yeah, I don't know, Scott, I'm, I've been all over the place. Yeah. Do you, do you have any thoughts well, on any well, of those I mean, things? I think, I think really, I think going back to my professor, like, Oh, someone needs to write a book about this. Cause there's definitely is PTSD in ministry. I mean, I think just you and I sharing our stories and then just kind of knowing the stories of others and just a briefly experiences of just people, even conversations I heard around lunch today, like, mm-hmm. It's it's a real thing. And I think if you're someone who maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're kind of at that place where you go, you know, I've served for X amount of years and the things that I used to do, I don't do anymore. Or the things that, you know, there was maybe certain things where I do have like a sense of anxiety or do have a thing where I'm just, you know, always double checking myself or triple checking myself or just feel like that I'm not in a good place or I don't feel settled about walking into a meeting or settled walking in to teach a bunch of kids about Jesus, like something's going on there. And I think that's important for us to recognize those moments to talk about them with a trusted therapist or even a good pastoral friend who kind of understands and, and is not just going to say, Oh, well just trust God more. Cause that, that doesn't really help. Um, and I think really, I think that's just kind of, something there. So maybe for you, those of you who are listening, maybe you're somebody who you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh yeah, definitely. Like, and if you would like to share that story, you can email us at the uh, web, at my website, thescott7.com. You can just get to email me and we'll get your emails. Feel free to leave comments, like share this uh, with any of your friends, family, neighbors, or just share it with a Presbyterian because apparently they're the, our biggest fans right now. <laughs> <laughs> so all your Presbyterians out there, thank you. <laughs> and I, but friends, that's going to be it for us. It is late and I know I have to get to bed and then get up early and drive to Ashland tomorrow. So friends, thank you for listening to the Scott Seven podcast. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your uh, rest of your weekend and we'll be back on with another episode soon. Take care.